You are now listening to Shy Sox Weekly, hosted by Tony Marchese and John Suarez. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Shy Sox Weekly, episode 46. I am John Suarez, joined with you today by my co-host, Tony Marchese and Johnny Nani. How you guys been? We're just glad you're here. Yeah, good, man. We've been missing you. Yeah, a lot of people thought I was dead, so to confirm, I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm still here. Good. I like it. I like the mustache that's going on there. I know the listeners can't see it, but it is a majestic mustache. So, it is a majestic um, mustache. Is that, where we, you, is that where you've been? You've been growing that thing? Just yeah, I actually it. just like trimmed this down, so you should have seen it like two days ago. It was... I still Real look like fancy. shit. I need a haircut. I'm gonna go get a haircut tomorrow. I've just been extremely busy lately, so well, the, the hat's hiding the hair, so I, I I can't comment on that. But man, the uh, the mustache is looking good. It's, it's been a while. Well, we did we did throw a picture out there though um, on the Twitter account, so we're back. Shy Sox John is back, and uh, we have great guests lined up tonight, guys. Yeah, Johnny, who do we have? We've got NWI Steve. Um, he he is known. He he's got a decent following uh, within the White Sox community. Uh, he's a pretty opinionated guy. Uh, he's a very funny guy. So um, I think that will mesh well with what we've got going on here. Let's just get right to our guests, if that's cool with you guys. Yeah, let's get him on. And we are now joined by NWI Steve. Steve, thank you for taking the time to come on and talk to us tonight. Uh, great having you on. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, fellas. Thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, of course. No, so uh, we appreciate you coming on, uh, Steve, like we had said before, on such short notice. Um, we got a couple of questions that we got lined up for you today. So we had already kind of gone through before we um, started recording what those questions are going to be for you. But before we get into that, how about you uh, let our listeners know a little bit of background about yourself and uh, basically what makes you a White Sox fan, what you do for the White Sox, if you do anything, and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, so, um, you know, grew up uh, just across the state line, northwest Indiana, so very much uh, Sox territory down there. Um, you know, been been a fan since, you know, I, I could remember. I mean, I'm 35 now, so, you know, I was old enough to remember the heartbreak of 1994 coming up on the 25 year anniversary of that season getting canceled and that world series getting ripped away when I was 10 years old. So it goes back a long way. Um, you know, my dad growing up had a, uh, had a crazy mustache. A lot of people thought that he was a doppelganger for Terry Bevington, who was, you know, probably the, one of the worst Sox managers in history. So I have that going for me too, from a, from a family perspective. Um, but you know, just, I, I, just go to a shit ton of games. Um, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do is go see every ballpark across the country here. So, you know, I've got five five of them left to go, and I've actually seen some pretty crazy stuff um, along the way going to Washington Sox. I mean, I was at Phil Umber's perfect game in Seattle in 2012. So um, just some really, really crazy times, you know, with, with this team and everything. Um Doing writing for Luke Sports right now. I was on a little bit of a hiatus due to some, you know, personal things going on here. But uh, about ready to start getting back on the horse here in the next two, two or three weeks or so. Here, going to be spitting out a lot of content here, talking a lot about uh, where I think this team is going and some things that they can be doing here in the future. Excellent, excellent stuff, Steve. Um, let's jump right into some questions, though. Um, and one of the things that's hot in the news, uh, I think, for everybody today. Was the comments that may, uh, that Rick Hahn made uh, in his presser today? Um, 
Johnny, do you have those comments? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody, all of us know what well, was said, but uh, do we have uh, those? I think the biggest one here is Rick Hanan competing in 2020, and he says, let's talk in Glendale. And that is not satisfactory uh, for me, for a lot of people. And Steve, just from uh, following you on Twitter, I would believe it is not satisfactory for you. So uh, go ahead and sound off on that. That is the big one I wanted to jump off on. And then obviously there's other quotes that he had about people being ready. They don't know who they're going to call up. Yada, yada. We'll get to that. But sound off on uh, White Sox uh, competitive you know, season in 2020. Yeah, I mean, so I know I believe that 2020 should be the start of the opening of this window here. Um, You know, given the fact that you've got Mankata, you've got Giolito, two guys that have already developed into what will be, you know, five win players already here. That's those are the types of guys you need to be building around. The clock is ticking on them on their on their pre arbitration contracts status here so you really you got to get this train moving here you got to spend some money i mean they got like what 25 million dollars um committed towards payroll next year i mean it's it's go time here you know as far as han's comments go um i think he has to be a little bit measured with what he says just based off of last off season and saying how aggressive they were going to be and everything and you know he he kind of dug himself a little bit of a hole by coming out so strongly as he as he did only to in my opinion have his nuts cut off by a cheap ass owner um <laughs> i think ultimately you know look there's a lot of things you can criticize rick Hahn for um do i think he's done very well at his job no i i don't because if you look at teams like tampa and teams like oakland that have even greater self-imposed spending restrictions than the Sox do They've made the playoffs in the last 11 years. The Sox haven't. So that's not real good on Rick Hahn's record right there. But ultimately, this thing's it's going to come down to whether or not the 83-year-old asshole opens up the checkbook and says, all right, it's time to start winning. So I think he has to be a little bit measured with, with what he says, just given the failures of last winter. But it's absolutely go time in 2020. I'm so sick of this nonsense. Let's start winning some damn games. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't be running over this damn division with every other team in here. I mean, they're they're a bunch of little small market piss ants. Yeah, Steve, I love it. I love the fire. I love the passion. And we we had a former guest. I don't know if you heard the show, but uh, Aloha, Mr. Hand, uh, one away ambassador. Yeah, we we love Pete too. So we've we've had him on here, and we had a good almost three hour conversation with him on the show. And I feel like he he shares this kind of sentiment that we have here and it's go time i think that's the bottom line for uh what you had said there his message as well i think tony and john and i are all on that same page uh just for all those aforementioned reasons that you laid out there um to to get there though there is going to be a something has to change in this offseason obviously last offseason was unacceptable uh the way things unfolded and the shit show afterward uh not just the failing on machado but uh this offseason i know it's not the same crop the there's no unicorn free agents as rick Hahn likes to call them um what are the realistic plans though for the white Sox this offseason you know i know everyone is you know kind of had the pie of this guy all go out and sign Garrett Cole. Yeah, Garrett Cole would definitely um, solve one of the problems there. But let's be real about this. They're not spending $200 million on a pitcher. So I think even without going after a guy like Cole or Rendon, there is a path to contention 
um, being smart th- this winter here. And, and the one guy that I keep talking about on Twitter, and I'm going to tweet this thing into existence, the guy I think they need to find a way to make a deal for is David Peralta, um, left fielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, Peralta's a guy, left-handed stick that you could put at the top of the order. He's been a 347 on base guy throughout his entire career. It would help balance out the lineup, lengthen it a little bit, and like I said, give you a guy with close to a 350 on base percentage for his career. Plug him into right field, even though he hasn't uh, been a right fielder historically. Um, you know, because we know Eloy, they're not ready to go full time DH with him yet. Even though, I mean, I could yeah. I could have words about that <laughs> right here with you. God, that's uh, that's something out there. So, you know, I think going out and getting a guy like Peralta, if you can put him in right field at the top of the order, I think that would really help a lot. Um, you know, and the other thing, too, is that, you know, we know Robert and Madrigal are going to be up at some point next season. Um, you know, I could really see a path to Madrigal breaking camp with the team just because of his profile is such that he's not going to be a guy that's going to make a lot of money in arbitration. So, I, I really think it probably would just make sense to have him break camp with the team and be the starting second baseman. They're not going to do that with Robert, in my opinion, um, just because he's got a su- he's got superstar profile written all over him. So you know, we all know that we got to count the pennies and and we have to make sure that we take care of that service time component here. So we'll see him on April twelfth or whenever that is. Um, so that's going to help going to help the team as far as the outlook goes. The other thing that I would look to do is. I know James McCann has had a really good year, and he, he was hitting some bombs tonight. I'd go out, I'm signing Yasmani Grandal to fortify the catching position and, again, provide some left-handed balance in the lineup there. Um, I think if you added in Peralta and Grandal from the left side and you know actually get Zach Collins some DH at bats, look, looking at the adjustments that he's made since he went down to Charlotte, I think you have a pretty nice balanced lineup there that could be lengthened up and and could actually be a pretty decent offense. Um, you know, on the pitching side, I've I've talked about this I think quite a bit on Twitter is that you look at between Dylan Cease, you know, he's going to be on an innings limit next year. I mean, he's going to go about 150 innings this year, um, so he's going to be a little bit limited next year. Kopech is going to be on an innings limit coming off of Tommy John surgery. Rodon is coming back at some point in July. So you got three guys right there that you're going to have to manage innings for. So my thought is, you know, if you look at the, the rest of the starting pitching crop, if you could sign Zach Wheeler and get 100 quality innings from him, knowing that he's going to get hurt at some point and he's going to go on the DL, but if you can get those 100 quality innings at some point with those other three guys that you have to manage, I think that would help the rotation tremendously. And then another guy that I would look at and I would target, assuming his arm is still attached to his body, is Alex Wood. So a guy you know from the left-hand side can start, and then you can slot him into the bullpen, and he can kind of shuttle back and forth the and give you some quality innings there. And he's a guy who's got some nice deception in his delivery. Um, I think those two guys would really help um, the pitching side of the equation here. You know, just because, like I said, I think it's it's going to be a little bit of a juggling act between Kopech, Cease, and Rodon and, and managing those innings right there. So I think if you if you looked at it that way there, I think there's a viable path to being a solid team if, the, if you make those kinds of additions right there. Steve, you, you you made a lot of good points here. I, I do like the Peralta idea, and I also like Alex Wood. Um, Wood, when he's on, he's a great pitcher. The one thing that uh, you didn't mention here is Rick Hahn pulling off any trades. Do you see him going the trade route over free agency um, after well, last season's debacle and, and 
Who would you even target here? And who's well, who's tradable on this roster as well? Yeah. Well, I, I think you know Peralta would be um, you know the tra- the trade candidate right there. He still does have a year of control uh, with the Diamondbacks. Um, the trade route is going to be a little bit tricky for them just because of the fact that at the minor league level they've had injury and underperformance from a lot of the guys mm-hmm. outside of their top five prospects. But if you look at, for example, down in Birmingham some of the adjustments Gavin Sheets has made in the second half of the year. He's actually looking like he might be a legitimate first-base prospect at this point here. So you have a guy like him and a guy like Jonathan Stever down in Winston-Salem. You know, Maybe if you can package those two or, or ideally if it didn't take both of those guys, you know, send one of them over to Arizona with some other complimentary pieces maybe to be able to get Peralta, I think that would be one way to go. Um, I think the trade route is – going to just be a little trickier just due to that injury and underperformance across the minor leagues here um, in 2019. So I'm not saying it can't be done, but I just think it's going to be a little more difficult to navigate maybe than it would have been a year ago. Do you think, here's another follow-up question to this, do you think we see Dane Dunning crack this roster sometime in September next year, given his recovery uh, goes according to plan, and he performs when he gets back. Do you think we see him 2020, or is he more 2021 in your opinion? I think he's got to be 2020 because I believe he's he would be uh, Rule Five eligible after the season. So, you know, I think that would make sense if nothing else. You know, maybe come September, if you could slot him into the bullpen, maybe in that last month of the season. Um, I think that's that's a guy that you definitely assuming that the recovery goes as well. I think you got to try to push him up to Chicago here before the end of the 2020 season. That's just me personally. All for that. All for that. Uh, I want to see him too. John? Yeah, so you had said um, – you'd mentioned a lot of good names. Um, the one that stuck out the most to me would probably be Zach Wheeler. So, I mean, none of those guys are like all-stars besides maybe Peralta. So how much of a jump – record-wise, do you think that, like, providing... I mean, because you are providing depth, which is very important. So I do understand that. You don't always need to add, like, a star to get you over that hump as long as you have, like, enough. Do you think the Sox would... Like, what do you think the Sox record would look like next year with a team like that? I think if you if you were able to go... You know, if you brought in Peralta, Grandal, um, that Wheeler, I conceivably, plus development from... Um, existing core i think you could get an 85 win team there and if you get to 85 if you get a couple of breaks i mean you're not that far away from getting to 90 wins and if you get to 90 wins i mean you're almost assured in the current format to be a playoff team here but if you get to 85 you're putting yourself in the conversation and i think that those moves plus the internal development from the existing rush score, i think they can get to an 85 win team right there well a lot of yeah. those wins would have to come in your division too if you if you get into eighty five and Johnny, you say this all the fucking time. If you're beating your division, yeah. you're setting yourself up for a good chance to make it into the playoffs. And you know the Sox have actually played their division pretty damn well this year, um, with the with the way that the roster is currently constructed. So yeah, I I, I agree with you. You start getting to that eighty five win total, um, you're you're looking you're looking pretty good. Yeah, Tony. One one thing that I just wanted to bring up. Sorry, Steve. I didn't mean to cut you off. You're going to start there, but. Tony, we saw Zach Wheeler completely shut the White Sox down at the game, the very last game of that Mets series. You and I were out there at the ballpark, uh, a day game, 
And it, it was unbelievable. I, I So that, Steve, I really like that you bring that name up because that is someone that I probably, honestly, would not have thought about beforehand. But after seeing it firsthand, I'm on yeah. board. And, and like I said, yeah, I know a lot of people are going to look at his injury history and say, oh, you know, we got to shy away from that. But like I said, if you get 100 quality innings out of that guy right there, knowing that you're going to have Rodon coming back at some point in July of next year. I mean, you could almost kind of piggyback those two off of each other there from, from a rotation standpoint. Kind of bridge them together, right? Yeah, what kind exactly. of con- what kind of contract do you think, if, if you're in Rick Hahn's shoes here, Steve, what kind of contract are you offering a guy like Wheeler? Knowing the injury history, knowing that other teams are going to be kind of iffy on him, um, what kind of contract do you think he gets? I'm I'm really bad at playing the contract guessing game to tell you the truth. Um, I mean, are you going over three years on Zach Wheeler? Is anybody going to go over three years on him? And I think that's why he kind of falls to a White Sox standpoint here because we don't want to lock up a pitcher long term. I mean, it, and pay a lot of money for it. The Sox just haven't traditionally done that before. So I think that you know that's that's a, a name that sits there right in the sweet spot. Yeah, you know, the the old adage is it only takes one dumb team to to make that offer, but I I really find it hard to believe that someone's going to go to three years with this guy just given his, his history. Um, it might be the team that gives him two guaranteed years, might be the one to do it. And, you know, I've, I've seen somebody kind of joke about this on Twitter. I can't remember who it is, so if, if whoever said this is listening, give you know let me know and I'll give you a shout-out here. But the Sox, when it comes to free agents, have to pay what's referred to as the Sox suck tax because of the fact they've been so bad for the last decade. They're going to have to overpay regardless of who it is, unless, you know, your name's, you know, Melky Cabrera or, you know, Adam LaRoche, you know, guys of of that ilk. I mean, if you're a player of any quality, they're going to have to overpay to an extent and get them to come here given the circumstances. Um, how much that overpay is going to have to be, I'm not smart enough to, to know that. But, man, I just struggle to think that anybody's going to give Wheeler more than two years guaranteed money. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Steve, I, th- I think you, I think you kind of answered part of our next question there. How would you fix a Sox? I, I mean, you gave us those moves very specifically. So um, do you have any other just comments on that uh how else you would help fix the socks moving forward here so we can avoid that let's talk in glendale thing and if we were to lay out a plan right now um anything in addition to that if not we do have a few more uh lined up right behind this that are uh, burning on our minds so. does the team being sold is, is there any way possible factoring into it or no we, we just discounting that altogether because that's that's really the, the elephant in the room right there yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's some tinfoil hat theories out there right now, currently, about the team being sold. Um, uh, Pete Hand, <laughs> for one. <laughs> I'm just gonna bring it up right here. Um, you know, we've we've had conversation with him about, you know, what's what some of these moves that the Sox have been making, um, you know, from a business standpoint, have signified. Um, but I, I don't personally, I don't see this team being sold anytime soon. Um, it's it's Jerry Reinsdorf's Chicago, and we're just living in it at this point in time. If you're a Bulls fan or a Sox fan, you've kind of gotten the same thing over and over again. And I just I, regardless of what the signs say right now, I don't see it happening. But you know, I, I do agree with you, Steve, that selling the team and, and somebody coming in and potentially clearing house, so to speak, 
with some of this, the front office staff and, and getting a new energy and a new look, I think really helps this team. But I just, I don't see it happening right now, especially middle of the rebuild. Um, I mean, we're not at the beginning of it. Um, we're in the middle. I, I'm pretty sure Jerry wants to see the, the fruits of saving money pays off for himself at this point in time. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, feel free to chime in anybody here. No, I don't. I don't think you're wrong with that. I mean, if if there was ever a time for this team to be sold, I would have thought that it either that it probably would have started the discussion maybe this past winter with the renegotiation of the local TV deal because that would have really been the time for Jerry to cash out at yep. that point. You know, you got a franchise valuation now at 1.6 million dollars. Um, you got this. You got the new TV money coming in. And, you know, I had heard some some rumors over the last couple of years that that's what he was waiting for. But, you know, that deal's been announced already and there's been, you know, no signs of, of any sale coming up here. So it looks like that was just wishful thinking on a lot of people's part, unfortunately. Yeah, so hopefully we don't have to watch the Montreal White Sox anytime soon. But um, we do have a couple other questions that we got lined up for you. Um, we haven't really we mentioned what the Sox can do to help next year. This kind of ties a little bit into that. Do you believe that the White Sox should re-sign Jose Abreu or let Jose Abreu re-sign himself? I'm fine with Abreu coming back. Um, in all honesty, but there are conditions associated with it if it's me and if i'm if i'm the owner and if i'm making if i'm ultimately the one cutting that check it's a one-year deal with it with an option i'm not going more than one year guaranteed at this point you know i know he's been on a little bit of a hot stretch here in the last uh seven to ten days or so but if you look at the numbers overall they're kind of trending in the, in the wrong direction here and he's you know a 32 year old first baseman right now that doesn't really have any patience at the plate um that's something that usually doesn't age particularly well so you know just trying to be risk averse i'm not willing to commit more than one year of guaranteed money on this so that's just the way i would approach it but i'm fine with with him coming back in 2020 um but the fact of the matter is once andrew vaughn is ready from my standpoint First base needs to be Andrew Bowen's position. And yeah. I know has been very opposed to DHing in the past. That needs to be clearly explained to him up front that, look, when this kid's ready, he's the first baseman and you're slotting the DH. Now, does and here here's where it gets sticky, though. Do you believe that Eloy Jimenez is actually going to stick in left field? I mean, you commented on this just a little bit ago. I'm a firm believer that there is no way – that Eloy Jimenez continues to play out and left. Johnny, we sit over in the 149 all the time. It's it's it's. I don't know if it's you a clown it. show. Yeah, I don't it, know. Like Steve's Twitter Steve, name, Southside Clown Show. It's a clown show. I don't. Field. Steve, have have you experienced the Eloy playing left field in person before? Oh yeah, I mean it's. Uh, um, I I feel like it's probably what I would look like out there in all honesty and that's that's really saying something from a guy that uh, became you know solely a pitcher at i think 14 so that tells you a lot about about my playing career there um but no i mean to your point they're kind of building this weird log jam of dhs with eloy and i mean there there are scouts going back two years ago that said that ultimately he was going to be a dh first base type and that's not particularly encouraging for a guy that's you know 22 right now 
Um, so, you know, between him, Abreu, and I'm still trying to figure out where the advance are going to come for Zach Collins because it's obvious they don't believe that he's a catcher. So where he fits into all this, I mean, they're, they're Add just... Jake Berger to that list, too. I'll be honest with you. I'm assuming that I'm never going to see Jake Berger ever again <laughs> at, at any level. I mean, even at Winston-Salem. So if he, if he even gets to Birmingham, I will be pleasantly surprised by that. But I will be shocked if he plays a game in Chicago. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the injuries have piled up for him, but I'm you know, you, I only bring him up in the sense that first round draft pick, you would like to see him show up in Chicago at some point in time. Um third base just doesn't seem like a a place for him in my opinion. He I I I feel like if he does eventually get healthy and get to the major leagues, it's probably as a first baseman. Um, and then you've already listed three or four other guys ahead of him in this. And, you know, this goes back to drafting. And, Johnny, this is something that you and I talk about all the time is, is drafting. And I think in one, of our, in one of our group chats earlier today, I was talking about how it really doesn't matter about your draft position when you can't draft well. And the Sox you is, can't develop well. And you can't develop well. So how do you how do you overcome this? And I think I think that's just going to be such a tall task because you know I've already you know just from the eye test ruled Eloy Jimenez out of being the left fielder when this team is is actually competing. Um, just you know I don't like seeing some of the the defensive replacements in the in the eighth ninth inning taking Eloy out of the game because you need to go put in a guy who can actually field out there. I don't want to take that bat out of the lineup. You know that's. I just don't think that that's a recipe for success. Yeah, I mean, we have episodes going back to last season, Tony, where me and you were both agreeing that oh, yeah. Eloy Jimenez is basically a first baseman. I mean, a DH first baseman even, at best. Even Clinton Cole was on here at one point telling us, you know, you guys are going to be shocked at how bad Eloy is and left. And, you know, we're like, I don't care. I, I think my wording on it was like, I don't care. if he's If he's slugging, I don't care. And now I'm seeing the, the, the actual impact on the field. And, ugh. and you know, I talk about the Eloy Jimenez experience. It's not even just the, the on-the-field routes that he takes or the way that he, you know, handles fly balls. It's in between every pitch. It's are you actually ready to play the game? It's, you know, are you talking to the fans and, you know, throwing up peace signs to people? Or are you watching what's going on, you know, in the actual ball game? You know, there's a lot of stuff that I've I've seen this year that I, I guess rubbed me the wrong way. And if Eloy Jimenez is in the dugout while the rest of the team's on the field, he can talk to Chuck Garfine all he wants and, you know, wave to the camera in between pitches and do whatever he needs to do to be Eloy and still go up and slug those home runs. That I, I think that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, the Abreu conundrum just really comes into play here, you know, as, as you're talking about. And I think we're I think we're very much on the same page here. I have real doubts about his viability as a left fielder when this team is supposed to be playing meaningful games, you know, hopefully starting next September. Um, and, and that's where I just think if if you hamstring your roster construction to the point where you tie yourself to Abreu for another three or four years, I think you're really putting yourself in a tough position here 
um, especially with you know some of the names like we talked about with Eloy and you know circling back to Berger if he you know is ever get on the field enough. Um, that's something that they really have to kind of figure out here. I think starting this winter. Uh, I got this next one here. So as we're kind of talking about leading into the future here, Steve, and I feel like this is a good question for you um, because you have been one that is known to be vocal about uh, the opinions, and that's what we like. That's why we want you on here um, sharing your thoughts with us. And we, we have a two-parted question. I'll give them both to you now. Uh, I know we had prefaced it before, but what makes you hopeful about the White Sox? And what makes you least hopeful about the White Sox so far? Um, I think we all have things on both sides of the spectrum here, but uh, we we just wanted to get your take on it because um, I know we could probably go into a whole rabbit hole with this first half, or excuse me, with the second half, the least hopeful part. But let's start with the optimism and then go with some of the drawbacks or negatives that you have uh, in your thoughts surrounding this team. Yeah, you know, on on the positive side of it, I mean, you look at, there are some real legitimate superstars that could be blossoming right in front of our eyes. I know I mentioned Moncada and I mentioned Giolito earlier here and the progress that those two have made this year. You can't understate the importance of that enough. And, you know, then you look at a guy like Tim Anderson, who, who is still developing, um, even though he's, you know, 26 years old now, he's, he's playing. I think he would have been an all-star this year had he not gotten hurt in late June of this year. So, you know, his continued development is something that is really important. If he can just clean up some of those, you know, careless errors that happens. I mean, you have a really good shortstop there um, that can give you 20 home runs and 25 to 30 stolen bases. I mean, that's there's a lot of value there. And then you look at Eloy. Um, you know, I think the returns have been a little bit mixed this first season out, out of him. But there's... There's masher potential right there. I mean, you're looking at a guy that looks like he's going to be a 40, 40 home run hitter on an annual basis. Yep. That's really important. And then, you know, you go down to the minor league level and you look at Luis Robert and the things that he's doing. Now, I am of the opinion that I think he's going to struggle a little bit initially. And that's why I'm so pissed off that they haven't brought him up yet to, to get this acclimation process started here because I think. Same. I think opposing yep. pitchers are going to use his aggressiveness against him early on here. So I think the, the early returns could be pretty bad. Um, that's why I wanted this thing to start right now here. It just made all the sense in the world, especially if you are viewing 2020 as a contending year. Why are you not starting this process now? That's, oh, a, yeah. that's a great totally question. Yeah, we, we're, we're going we're gonna to hammer into this one with you because you just brought up a lot of stuff. That's been on at you least in my mind. Yeah, box you opened Steve. up Pandora's <laughs> box. So, Steve, you talked about a path to competing in 2020, and then you just brought up, I think, the exact reason why 2020 potentially could not be a competing year. And um, you know, going back to Pete Hand, he wrote an article today, 2020, a White Sox odyssey. I don't know if you had the chance to read it, but he just listed off some of those exact same points that you made as to why it feels like the goalposts have been moved from 2020, which is what we all thought was going to be the year, maybe to 2021, 2022, because is the excuse next year going to be, well, this is a developmental year for Nick Magical. This is a developmental year for Luis Robert. This is 
a developmental year for Michael Kopech, who we're going to rely on for some innings at some point. You know, at what point does it become everybody's ready to go? Because, you know, you talked about it a little bit earlier, too. You know, Dylan C is still going to be on an innings limit. How can we compete if all these guys don't have, you know, the chains taken off and they're ready to go? Yeah, and that's, that's I think, the $64,000 question right there. Um, and that's, you know, ultimately the biggest concern. And I think that's where the need to supplement this group of young talent, this one, that if they don't do it, if they strike out the way they struck out this past winter, I mean, it's time to get the pitchforks out here. And, <laughs> I, I mean, let's just be real about this because um, – they, they have to augment this group right here. If they don't do it, then all of a sudden now it's it's going to be time to hit the, the panic button a little bit here. Um, you know, the other thing that you know gives me a little cause for concern is that, again, circling back to some of the injuries and underperformance in the minor league level, you know, you look at – I remember coming into the season, everyone said, oh – there's no need to sign Bryce Harper. We've got all these outfielders coming. We've got Mike Adolfo coming. We've got Basabe coming. We've got Luis. Those people Gonzalez. are idiots. Oh. I haven't even heard the name Basabe in forever. Well, maybe it's because he has like a sub 700 OPS in Birmingham right now where hitters go to die. Um, that That's one thing. And then, you know, the other thing that I, I still see people talking about Mike Adolfo all the time. Yeah, he's got really loud tools, but he's played 100 games in a season one time since he was signed in 2013. That's kind of a problem where I come from. You need to be on the field. I think that's a prerequisite to being a functional, successful major league player. So all these people saying that, you know, we can count on Basabe, we can count on Adolfo. That's a real problem right there. And and the injuries and the underperformance of those guys and guys like Berger and, you know, Alec Hansen and Dunning getting hurt and, and um, you know. There's too many to name. Right, right. And, it's and, starting to get depressing, to be honest. <laughs> and, and, and what that has really done is it took what you thought was a surplus in certain areas that you would be able to trade for pieces that you need at the major league level. And now all of a sudden you've got a little bit of a shortfall in some of those areas. And, and that's really the one of the bigger concerns that I have is now – if they aren't going to be willing to open up the checkbook and go into the open market, which this organization has never shown a willingness to do, how are they going to augment this core? Yeah, that, I mean that's that's the like you said, I, I burning I, questions. Yeah, I mean these are these are very burning questions. And then at the same point in time, you know we've we've heard it all before. You know we're supposed to be patient. We're supposed to be patient with it. And, you know, it, it takes five years to, to build a nice house and, and all this other stuff. Here's what that, I it took like five months to get like the whole apartment complex across the street from my house up. Like, <laughs> John is already calling bullshit. Here's what I have to say about patrons, okay? So this team has made the playoffs one time since they won the World Series. They haven't made the playoffs in 11 years. All right. I'm 35 years old. I have seen this team make the playoffs four times in my life. If the Rays make the playoffs this year as a wild card, the Tampa Bay Rays will have more playoff appearances in my life than the White Sox. 
Think about that for a minute. Think about how embarrassing that is. What year did the race fucking start? Embarrassing. Was it the was it late nineties or was it in the two thousands? I'm young, so bear with me. The I'm gonna have to look it up. It's gonna bother the, me. The, and the Rays, the Rays were an expansion team in in '98, and then they didn't make the playoffs for the first time since until 2008. So I mean, they they will have five playoff appearances in 11 years. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> our last playoff game was against the Rays. Yeah, <sighs> I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it. So you know, all this talk about patience. You know what? I got your patience right down here. Okay. <laughs> yes. There we go. He's starting. To, he's starting to open up a I little. Love bit. it. Yeah. He's starting to open up a little bit. Um. You know. And that's the thing is, for as patient as we can be, at what point in time does the accountability factor have to play into this, Steve? We well, talked about not- this. We talked about the sale of the team. At what point do you say, Rickon, this isn't working out? Ricky Renteria, this isn't working out. Some of the, you know, at what point does, uh, you know, your hitting coach, your pitching coach, all these other names start to, to you know, have a, a, you know, real accountability associated to their name? Because as of right now, it looks like we're going to continue to carry the same front office and coaching staff through this entire thing as well. And, you know, there there are results that need to be, you know, they need to be held accountable is what I'm getting at. And as of right now, this is the exact same staff almost to a T from what we saw with the last rebuild try when we spent the money and we went out and got Robertson and and Melky Cabrera and those guys. Jeff Samarja. Don't forget Jeff you know, Samarja. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, you know, if, if, if we're talking about, you know, supplementing this roster, how can we be so sure – that we have the right people at the helm and scouting to go get the right guys. I think that's also needs to be called and, in, 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 you know, made at least aware for everybody in this fan base. We've tried this before. This isn't new. We've tried to supplement Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, Jose Abreu once before, and it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people I've, I've come under fire uh, recently on Twitter for calling into question that very fact and talking about the um, first rebuild in 2013 and told that it wasn't really a rebuild. Um, you know, the the funny thing about that is, you know, you look at the situation that they were in, they didn't have the organizational depth at that point to compete. So, the idea of going out and signing Melky Cabrera, David Robertson, Adam LaRoche, and giving up draft picks to sign lower-tier guys made no sense at all when you needed to be going balls out in the international market and just going crazy signing 16-year-olds and the Dominican, hoping that one or two of those guys stick. You needed to be going absolutely crazy in the draft at the time when there weren't the draft restrictions, you know, you needed to be doing those things and they weren't doing it. And then you're going and you're spending on those lower tier guys like Melky and David Robertson and thinking that that's going to accelerate that rebuild process. I mean, it was an absolute sham. Um, you know, circling back to your point on the accountability. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, look, we've, we've seen it. Um, 
the best job you can have in the world is a job working for Jerry Reinsdorf because you have no accountability. As long as you have a pulse and as long as you don't piss them off, you know, and your name's not Tom Thibodeau, you're, you're gold. I mean, that's that's just what it is. Um, you know, we got we got to be real about this here. You know, so um, that's so Jose Abreu is getting a lifetime contract, is what you're telling me right now. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, and and, and I'll and I'll tell you, uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to my buddy James Fox over over at Loops Force because he and I were talking about this uh, last night at the Allison Chains and Corn concert. Um, think about this for a minute. Jerry Reinsdorf is gonna give Jose Abreu a lifetime contract with his team. This guy ran Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan, Frank Thomas, and Mark Burley out of Chicago. But Jose Abreu is the guy that's going to be the lifetime contract guy. That blows <laughs> my mind. Holy shit. <sighs> when you put it like that. Yeah, holy <laughs> shit. I mean, that's – and now that it's out in the media too – now that it's out in the media, like you're done. Like if Rick Hahn yeah. doesn't do it, but here's here's the funny part too. Let's let's go and think about this for a second. Say Rick Hahn goes to Jerry and says, "I don't want to bring Jose back." How does you, how does that play out? He's handcuffed. He's, hand, he's handcuffed already. No, he's not handcuffed. He's neutered. <laughs> yeah, like you said, he's got his balls cut his, off. His balls are gone. <laughs> Well, you heard it here first, Jose Abreu, dying of White Sox. But moving <laughs> forward to hopefully, yeah, let's let's lighten up the mood a little bit because I'm starting to get upset yeah. about John. John has White been sitting Sox, on it. John has been sitting on the couch. He's leaned back. He's got he's stroking that mustache that he's grown, and uh, curling it. Yeah, you know, he's curling the mustache a little bit, and he's really contemplating if he ever wants to watch another White Sox game. So yeah, let's let's lighten the mood up just a little bit. <laughs> so moving on, um, we're going to get into quick hits after this question, but we were talking about it before you had hopped on the show. Um, not a lot of people may know about it. Some people may know about it. We have the uh, 108 hot dog leaderboard, and you are currently second, I believe, or third, second? Second, yeah. So you're currently second. So fill us in a little bit on the uh, the, the contest itself. And like your maybe not your like full on strategies because we don't want you to give away your recipe for success, but just kind of like what it takes to get to the level that you're at. I mean, ultimately, you know what has to happen is you just have to be a glutton for punishment. I mean, um, I'm I'm at the point now where I can comfortably handle 14 dogs in the game, and I mean, I'll comfortably. That's yeah. a lot of meat in your mouth, man. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, but man, it's um, some some days. It's it's a chore. I know the the last one. Um, I was I was struggling a little bit to get through number thirteen and number fourteen. Um, you know, part of the genesis and one of the things about this contest that was kind of interesting. It was it circles back to a prop bet that the one oh eighters made at the post Sox Fest after party at uh, Buffalo Wings and Rings back in January on that uh, snowy day. Um, one of the prop bets by uh, my buddy Beef Loaf over there was what number was going to be higher in 2019? Jose Abreu RBIs or number of dollar dogs that I eat. At this present moment in time, Abreu has an eight-point lead on me. So the way I'm trending right now at these 14 dogs per game here, 
I'm going to get to 130 dogs before the end of the season here. He's on pace to get to 130 RBI. So, Pito, you better pick your shit up here. Otherwise, the 108ers are fucked. Do you happen to remember the stipulations of the bet? Like, who wins what? Do I remember the stipulations? No, just because of with this having been on the night of the um, 108 Sox Fest after party, I may or may not have been a little bit overserved that night. So I don't recall any of the stipulations on that. But um, I'd say it's probably more so a pride thing. I mean, because if anything says pride in this world, nothing like eating 130 hot dogs over the course of a baseball season. Oh, 100%. So I want to get into something here, too. We've had our own little hot dog, like, contest thing going on. I mean, John, we all know the story. John has been waiting for his web redemption. John, I don't think you've made it to any Wednesday games this year, have you? I'm not going to either. There's only two more. See, we wanted to run a a Shy Sox Weekly hot dog eating competition. And you seem like the perfect guy to coach John up a little bit on your hot dog eating strategies. So if you, if you could give some tips, because also Andrew Kinsler and DJ, who are also writers for On Tap, um, they want to hang with the big boys, but none of these guys are on the leaderboard. We only got one right now. I think that that's Ron Luce, who's also yeah. put down 14 dogs in one day. I know Kinsler was on there for a little bit. Um, you know, if you can mentor some of these guys, you know, what's what's one piece of advice that you would give to them uh, to to try and, and put down as many dogs as you do in one game? Yeah, so there's been a little bit of trial and error here throughout the course of the season. Um, the one thing that I will say is just hydration is very key in this process here. You know, early on in it, I, I wasn't um, getting enough liquid in me to help, you know, get those dogs going down here. And, you know, you think about it, you watch Joey Chestnut on, on July 4th every year when he's pounded down 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. He's dunking those sons of bitches in fucking water. Got to them up. Exactly. So that's that's where I was, you know, falling a little bit short early on there. So, you know, getting that liquid in there, helping those dogs go slide on right down there. That's a big key right there because, you know, you master that, you're going to be good. So would, would the 999 challenge, I know you're adding a lot of alcohol to this. Would, would this be something that you would do a, a cakewalk through at this point in time? Or would that many beers kind of throw a loop in your in your strategy here? You know, I feel confident that I could definitely do it. Um, it might get to be a little bit of a struggle, maybe around inning seven or so. But um, I'm confident myself. You know, look, I bet I bet on myself in January that I would eat more dogs and Jose Brady would have RBIs. I'll bet on myself to handle the nine nine nine. Is that something that you would uh, you would actually be interested in pursuing, or are you are you more going for the leaderboard? Maybe next year. A nine 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 challenge in April. I think I think a nine 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 in April of next year. I'm I'm up for it. That that uh, also hinges on you not making another bet at the uh, one hundred eight after party Soxfest again this upcoming off season. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if I could put my body through this two years in a row. I mean, it's uh, man, the morning afters are not always pleasant. <laughs> Well, yeah, that was one thing that we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier before we recorded was, you know, I've I've had the Wednesday dogs. I know, Johnny, I think you ordered like six last time we were out there, and you finished like yeah. four. Um, no, I, I, I ordered eight, and I finished six. Oh, you ordered eight and finished six. Um, you know, 
those dogs, I, I don't know. It, I've had the regular dog, and I've had the, the Wednesday dog. There's definitely some sort of difference between the two because waking up the next morning, there, there's just a certain feeling that you get after ingesting just maybe one or two of them. You get the sweats. You get the – yeah, the meat sweats. There's some – you know, there's a certain smell that comes out of that sweat. It just doesn't <laughs> – I, I don't know if those dogs are really all beef is what I'm trying to get at. There, well, there, there's no question about and, – and to your point on, on the smell there. So, you know, the day of the, of the double header on July 3rd, the day I famously took down 22 hot dogs in one day, not to brag or anything like that, but, um, you know, so in between games, we actually went over to uh, Beef Loaf's pad over there uh, near, near the ballpark, had a couple of drinks, and I was with my girlfriend, and, you know, she was making fun of me to Mrs. Beef Loaf saying how she could just smell the hot dogs coming out of me at that point. I mean, so you're, you're, you're onto something there. There is definitely something suspicious going on with the quality of those hot dogs on Dollar Dog Wednesday. <laughs> And on tip Sportsnet investigation. Yes, yes, there we go. Let's, let's open it up. We could just take a, a body chemistry from the autopsy after he, after Steve passes away from uh, too many hot dogs in one year. Uh, we'll be all, we'll be all over. I'm it. trying to think of like the grossest hot dog brand. I think like probably Ballpark. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the way to go right there. I mean, there these are go. not these are not Vienna dogs. We're talking. Where about. would you rank them to Ballpark dogs? Man, God, yeah, man, that's the fact that you had to think this hard about it says enough. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's uh, that's that's quite the question right there, man. God, that might be the question of the interview right there. It, seriously, yeah, I think you, I think you hit it. <laughs> All right, well, moving on from hot dogs. I'm honestly, I'm not even the biggest hot dog like fan. Like I like going to the game and enjoying like a hot dog or a brat, but ever since I found the Cuban sandwich stand above Johnny's section, I like don't think I've eaten anything but Cuban sandwiches at Sox Park. Those, Cubans are where it's the, at. That, that Taco Street stand, though, the other night they are when we were there. Oh, man. I mean, really even good. if they make like a $5 Cuban night, like I'm there for that every single game. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> moving I think... on from food because I'm going to get hungry and it's way too late for me to eat right now. It's like already 11 o'clock. Um, we got quick hits lined up for you. This is a long-ass quick hits list. Who made this? Was this you, Johnny? This is a culmination This is a culmination of the two episodes that you missed, Jonda. Um, okay. I don't know I don't know who we wants these now. Yeah, we, yeah, we save them now. Um, okay. That's smart. Do we do we want to have uh, Jonda roll them off? I think I think that's that's fitting. Uh, Johnny and I have, have each okay. taken a turn. Um, okay. You know, there might be one or two added in there while we're going. But uh, uh, Steve, you're familiar with Quick Hits, correct? Yes. Okay. All right, um, Jonda. Whenever you're ready to uh, start it off here, we can we can roll Steve through some Quick Hits. All right, sounds good. Steve, you ready? Do it. All right. Started off quick hits with NWI Steve. What is your favorite White Sox moment? Ten twenty six oh five. Gotta be that simple enough. Uh, Frank Thomas or Paul Canerco? Big Frank. Yeah. Favorite food at the ballpark? Does it have to be current, or can it be something that is no longer offered? It can be whatever you want it to be. Okay. 
So I'm going to go something that's no longer offered. The the bacon cheddar pretzel dog that they discontinued this year for some reason that I can't quite understand. Damn, that sounds good. Never heard of it. Wish I did. Um, favorite band? Favorite band? Um, favorite band of all time would probably have to be Alice in Chains. Favorite band currently? Slipknot. So the band that you saw in concert yesterday is your favorite band of all time? Yes, but with with a caveat. Um, okay. they, their original lead singer died back in 2002. So it's, I almost don't look at it like the same band. Okay. Yeah. I get you. A lot of ways. So, yeah. okay. Favorite fast food. Uh, I love that redheaded slut Wendy. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> favorite white Sox Twitter follow. Uh, favorite Sox Twitter follow. man, I gotta go with the 108ers. I mean, cause just just because they're just so goddamn goofy. Yeah. No, they're awesome. Uh, favorite team besides the Sox? Uh, Braves. And, you know, biggest reason behind that was, you know, growing up. Um, Chipper Jones game? Well, Chipper, Chipper Jones and when they were on TBS when I, when I was a kid. So growing yeah, up. Yeah, that's true. They were. I was, I was a pitcher. So it was like you could turn on TV every night and see Glavin, Smoltz, Maddox every night. Okay, Robin Ventura or Ricky Renteria? Robin Ventura. Favorite baseball movie of all time? Um, Boulder. You strike me as a Boulder guy. Better stat: pitcher wins or RBIs? Oh fuck. Um, I'm gonna go with wins just because I was a former scrub pitcher. Okay. <laughs> We'd love to get the stats guys going on that one. Oh yeah. What do you get your? Uh, what do you top your hot dog with? <laughs> All right, you're gonna tell me I'm fucking crazy. Barbecue sauce. That's new. <laughs> no, like onion or anything. Just, just strictly barbecue sauce. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a weird <laughs> eater where a lot of I don't like a lot of condiments and like onions. Is, I, I just don't like them. <laughs> okay, that's. New. We'll go with new. All right. Um, is Jim Tomey a White Sox legend? Fuck no. <laughs> He's a quick. fucking traitor. Would you Would you go out after a Sox game with Wally money alone? No. Who the fuck would say yes to that? Oh God. Do I have aspirations of living? Pretty much. I I mean, look. If I have a death wish, that's your guy to go out with. <laughs> That's the way to go out right there. Sounds like a fun time. Um, better career trajectory, Kopech or Giolito? I'm going to say Kopech. Okay. Year of next White Sox playoff run. Pocket 2020. Hell yeah. Um... Will Nick Madrigal make the White Sox roster? You had already kind of alluded to that, so we'll jump that one. Miller Lite, Bud Light, or Coors Light? Oh, he's drinking a Coors Light. He's showing <laughs> Coors Light on the screen for yeah, the listeners. The, the visual answer. Um, who, who the fuck did you, who Biggie or Tupac? I'm not a rap guy, so <laughs> I Would you that. even ask that, Two-Tone? Would you get... Um, Okay, Sox unprotected last week, and he has easy for the that that would make sense. I mean, I'll go. I mean, look, if that's the case, I'll go easy because he would rock a Sox hat in his videos. Oh yeah, sure that. Okay, 
Turtles, Cork, or Shinex? Um, Turtles. Favorite sport to watch besides baseball? Hockey. Next Sox player to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Boy. God damn. You guys are killing me with some of these. Coming at me with the hard-hitting questions here. Um, <laughs> Yoan. Okay. How do you take your jello shots? Um... In my mouth. <laughs> that was. I wish you guys could see how how hard that just stumped him just now. Like he did not know how to respond to that. All right. Um, what do you like best about Indiana? Um, the tax rate. Yeah, true. True that. <laughs> Leading into the next question, will the money be spent? Yes, but not as much as I want. Will you ever get over missing out on Machado? If they win a World Series in the next five years, yes. Have you ever seen Fever Pitch? Yes. <laughs> While drinking, can you hold it longer than Shy Sox Janda? You have a tiny <laughs> bladder? Uh, yeah, he said you have a tiny bladder. Just like <laughs> alludes right into it. Yes, I do. <laughs> Um, well, then, in that case, I'll say yes. <laughs> okay. Should the nets be raised higher to protect the upper deck? <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> I, th- I think the funniest part of the nets is the day that they debuted. I remember the Sox hit, like, five or six home runs, and I saw someone tweet, like, damn, they're going to have to get some nets for the outfielder to protect these fans from all these <laughs> home runs. <laughs> all right. Um, drunkest you've ever been at a Sox game, and feel free to tell a story with this, even though it's quick hits. Okay, uh, 2011 opening day against Tampa. So it's, you know, 40-some degrees out. It's raining. You know, get there at about 8 o'clock in the morning. I pound about 14 beers before the game on an empty stomach. And I may or may not, you know, evidence is still inconclusive. I may or may not have thrown up inside the stadium before first pitch. <laughs> that, was, that was like an afternoon game, right? I remember it was, that. It was a one o'clock start, yeah. Yeah, because I had I left school early to watch it because I was still cold. in high school. It was cold. It was fucking raining, and oh, yeah. but you know the jury's still out on whether or not that actually happened. I remember that vividly. That was still the Comcast Sportsnet days, and they had that old school like black scoreboard. I like I don't know why I vividly remember that game so much. We definitely lost. I'm pretty sure, didn't we? No, no, no. They they won that game. Edwin Jackson had like 12 strikeouts that day. Yes, that's what it was. I'm pretty sure like Jeff Keppinger was in our starting lineup. All right, let's never talk about that again. Um, <laughs> favorite place to sit at the ballpark. Um. My seat's in uh, – so I'm part of a season ticket group in Section 130. Okay, sweet. And I'm not really familiar with, like – that's, like, first base side, right? Or is uh, it... no, it's, it's basically – it's, like, two – you're, like, basically two rows off of home plate. So, like, you're basically, oh, okay. you're basically looking over the shoulder of a left-hand hitter. That's dope. Okay. Um, most, most tradable Sox prospect? Uh, Jonathan Stever. Okay. What would your Players Weekend jersey nickname be? It's coming up this weekend. T-Bone. T-Bone? 
Brent Morell or Brian Anderson? Brian Anderson. I yeah, actually, yeah, I, I, I shared a uh, flight with Brian Anderson uh, coming back from Arizona last year at spring training at like 9.30 at night leaving Arizona on Southwest. I bet that was a good time. You know, I actually, I actually talked to him a little bit. He was actually a cool dude. Oh, yeah. Um, how do you feel about the Wrigley Field basket? Fucking garbage. Get rid of that shit. Yeah, it's stupid. Will the White Sox win another World Series in your lifetime? <sighs> I want to say yes, but I think um, a lot of it's going to come down to is the old asshole going to decide to spend eventually? This is very true. Yeah, it was right, basically well, that the, was... the are you going to die happy question. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> All right, well, that was Quick Hits with uh, NWI Steve. For those of you that don't know what NWI Steve, um, if you're not like picking up on the context of it, it stands for Northwest Indiana. I actually didn't know that until, like, <laughs> I remember when Tony had told me, I was like, what the fuck is NWI? Like, I was like, I know, like, NWO, like, all that stuff, but... He's like, no, it literally stands for Northwest Indiana. I was like, wait, that dude lives in Indiana? Like, But now I understand. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that segment there was more for Jonda than it was that for was anybody for else. That was to, like, understand what the NWI was. All right, uh, moving on. We've got listener questions, and then uh, I on the opponents, and then we'll wrap it. So Johnny normally reads the listener questions, so I'm going to throw this back over to you, Johnny. Why don't you uh, start it off? Yep, uh, let's uh, do a panel. We'll, we'll go around table on these, um, give an answer. Um, obviously, if we get into some discussion, we do, but uh, let's each try to give an answer, and then we'll wrap it back around to me, uh, and I will provide the next question. Jordan Miller asks, first one, are we worried at all about Anderson's defense? Can it be improved? Um, also, a Braves extension, what are your thoughts on how it's handled? Um, and then there's another one here, but the, that's, let's not go too many there. Uh, I will, Jordan Miller's will be a two part. So, uh, Tony, go ahead kick it off. Are we worried about Anderson's defense? I mean, yeah, I mean, he's still developing. I think Steve kind of pointed this out earlier. Um, you know, he's, he wasn't a baseball player his whole life, basketball player coming in. Now he's a shortstop, you know, at the most important position on the diamond. Um, he's still got a lot to learn and, while I'm worried about it, I'm more worried about it in the sense that I want to see him develop into a top three, four shortstop in the AL at least. Um, the bat's there. Uh, obviously, I'd like to see him walk more. I'm talking more about his offense right now than his defense, but he has shown the ability to make the flashy play. I think that maybe one or two times a week he should hold on to the ball instead of airmailing it over Jose Abreu's head, but, you know, it's... It is what it is at this point in time. You've got a, a, a good shortstop on a great contract. Um, I, I don't see him really going anywhere at this point in time. Uh, we have what we have. And what we have is actually somebody that's you know better than a lot of the other shortstops that are out there. So as far as Tim Anderson, am I worried overall? Not really. Uh, I'll toss it over to Steve. Um, I wouldn't say I'm worried. I think, you know... To your point, Tony, I mean, he's just he's got to clean up some of those careless errors defensively. I, th I think that's the biggest thing. Look, his profile, he's not going to walk a lot. That's just not who he is. But if you get a shortstop that can hit you 20 home runs and steal 25 to 30 bases a year and give you above average defense, there's a shit ton of value in that. 
Um, it's just a matter of cleaning up those careless errors. I mean, that's going to be the, the biggest thing for him because, you know, he's um, he's never going to be a guy that, that walks a lot. So he's going to be very dependent on his average. And it's just, you know, if you eliminate those errors, I mean, that's a really valuable player on, on a good team. Gonda? Uh, Timmy's nice. He's always going to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Tim's one of those guys where he makes the hard play look easy and the easy play look hard, if that makes sense. I understand. Um, Yep. Yeah, like, I love Timmy, and it's just, it's weird that he plays one of those positions where his defense is so important that it's probably ten times more important than what he produces offensively. That's why we were so mediocrely successful with a defensive first shortstop like Alexei Ramirez for so long. I mean, he started off offensively good, but as his career went on, he was awful offensively. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, pick your poison. Like, do you want, I mean, because it's very hard to find like a Xander Bogarts type that or like even like a Trevor Story that just like rakes and is actually good at defense too. It's like, you're not going to find it very frequently, but Tim Anderson's one of those guys where he can't really play another position, really. I mean, he can play second base, but I think he plays shortstop good enough to the point where I'm okay with his offensive production and, like, kind of suffering a little bit on the defensive side. All right, good answers. Uh, I'll go very quick. Mine would be that, uh, no, it's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, we I think we saw a very putrid defensive year in uh, 2017 and then a rebound in 2018 and um, refocus, uh, keep an eye on it. I wouldn't say I'm completely worried about it, though. Um, th- this was, you know, uh, Jordan had three parts here. So uh, on to the next one, I think Steve had already kind of answered this a little bit, so I think we can go quicker on these. But um, a breeze extension, what are your thoughts on how it's handled? Tone? Yeah, uh, we, we kind of, like you said, really already talked about this. Um, you know, just kind of closing thoughts on this. I think, like Steve had said earlier, I mean, Han has no say in this whatsoever. So what Jerry says goes, regardless if it's good or bad for the White Sox long term, I think it's a really shitty situation for the organization as as a whole to be in because, you know, it's from a value standpoint, I think that there is a benefit to potentially parting ways with this guy. Um, I know that's not what the, the, the average casual fan wants to see or hear, uh, but you know, there's, there's plenty of guys that could fill this position. And let's be honest, first base isn't exactly the hardest position to fill. There's plenty of guys out there who can play serviceable first base, you know, hit at a Jose Abreu or better rate that we can go out and get. Um, with that said, you know, Jose Abreu has been the face of this club. He's been a clubhouse leader, Johnny, you know, I've said this over and over again. I love the fact that he's like a father to, um, Eloy and Mancata and all these guys coming up. But one of the things that I texted you earlier today, Johnny, was the clubhouse leader currently on this team as constructed is a guy who's never been there, never done that. He's never been in the playoffs. He's never gone through a lot of the, the same stuff that you can go out and bring in a guy. You know, one of the names that I wanted to see come in here would, would be like an Edwin Encarnacion type, another older guy on a one or two year deal who can hit a little bit better than Jose Abreu and maybe provide just a little bit better value. Um, 
it's really tough to see. You know, you've got Andrew Vaughn in the system, but it, it, like we said earlier, Jose Abreu, lifetime White Sox player. I'm not upset with that, but I just know that there's other options out there that could be potentially better. I'll turn it over to Steve. Yeah, I think just, you know, circling back to what I talked about earlier, um, I'm okay with him coming back. Let's just, you know, manage the expectations on it. Let's manage the years on it. Um, if me making the decision, going year to year. At, at this point, um, I just don't see any need to tie your hands long term. So I'm actually going to pick this up and maybe bounce it back to you and Tony. I just caught this, like, as you guys were going. The third part of his question is more so tied into the second part. So the question itself is also Abreu's extension. What are your thoughts on how it's handled? And then following it, it says, how does Vaughn's progress in Eloy staying in left affect that deal long term? So to answer that, I would say kind of like what Steven said earlier, you know, you got these guys in the pipeline that we have so many first base like DH archetypes in our um, system right now that we don't really need. We don't have a need for a guy like a Jose Abreu past next year. We shouldn't have to have a need for a veteran presence or like you had said, he's like a dad to the younger guys. These guys are going to be their own player by then, hopefully, if they fucking ever call him up. So we won't need like that. I'm trying to think of like a mentor, kind of like a mentor. Well, no, yeah, but I'm trying to think of like a, a scenario. I can't really think of it though, like a very similar situation. I would think of like in football. Yeah, I don't know. Never mind. Disregard that. But I was trying to think of like another uh, instance where a team was close to contending and they kind of kept someone around. Maybe like the Cubs with Starling Castro. Like they kept him around for a little bit of the beginning of that rebuild, and then they kind of like finally shipped him away like that final year. I don't really know. But I don't see the Sox needing Jose Abreu, especially with his like inconsistent production, past next year. It's kind of the reverse. And, John, you may not know this. I know, Steve, you said you like watching hockey. I'm assuming you watch the Blackhawks. It's kind of like the reverse Brent Seabrook. You're going to give this guy a long-term contract, based on loyalty and what he's done for the organization. The only difference is, is that Brent Seabrook won three cups and Jose Abreu hasn't been to the playoffs. And I don't think that that's a, a very smart executive decision to make. No, I, I agree. And I think that's a very important distinction to make. And, and let's be real about this. Seabrook was an extremely important part of a team that won three cups. And at this point here, Jose Abreu is not going to be the most important part of a successful White Sox team. Yeah. Um, it, there's fuck. I, I could probably go off on this one, but uh, just quick answer here. So we can move on to the next one. Cause we got a few more questions here after this. Um, I should, I think they really should go about it the way that Steve said year to year basis, uh, one year with, team option but they're probably going to be dumb and sign him for like three because you know uh, all those players that steve had uh, laid out there that jerry is thrown on town but then they give it to abreu that's just what's going to end up happening because that's so white sucks um and then honestly it sucks because vaughn and eloy um all, all that sort of issue that jordan had brought up in his question here um it sucks it's going to be a dilemma 
Um, and I would guess, you know, you'd hope that you can maybe trade off Gavin Sheets type. So you're not having as much of a stockpile in there. Um, but yeah, this is going to be interesting to see. Unfortunately, I think they're going to go about it in that sort of uh, meatball type of way. <laughs> All right. Uh, on to the next one. White Sox sale. Is Jose Abreu good? There was talk a few weeks back that he wasn't. Um, I don't know if we need to go round table about this. I think that, yes, he, he definitely, like Steven said, he's on a hat stretch lately, and it's great. We love it because uh, we like to see the White Sox win. But uh, overall, when you look at the numbers, kind of regressing um, <laughs> over his career. Does that cover it for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah I'm Rick's cool with that. All right. Uh, Sean Roberts, how is Shy Sox Jonna doing? Can we Jonna? go round? Can we go round table on it? I think we have to go round table on that one. <laughs> Who are you starting with, Johnny? It is same same order. All right. Uh, Shy Sox Jonda seems to be doing okay. Um, he's here tonight, so that's that's the first step in the recovery program. Um, <laughs> he's already laughing. Um, you know, Shy Sox Jonda. You know, it's kind of like a roller coaster. You never know what you're gonna get. Um, I'm hoping that he, he, he cooked a good dinner tonight. We're not really sure what he ate. He hasn't talked about it yet. So there's some red flags there. Um, but I'll, I'll turn it over to Steve and get his basis on it. But I'm, I'm really curious because I, I was, I was really hoping that we would get, uh, you know, what John to cook tonight story. So I'm not quite sure if he's all there himself right now. You know, from an outsider perspective, I mean, look, I think he's asked some good, insightful questions here um pretty concise for the most part here so um seems like he's got all the mental faculties in place here so you know from my perspective i think that's a win jonda uh he's dead <laughs> he's dead no he's dead <laughs> no um uh I'm, I'm good sean i'm good i got a promotion at my job which i had mentioned a couple months back and it's just been fucking kicking my ass lately i've been getting a lot more responsibility so time management is something that i definitely need to uh do better and it like sw- they switched my whole schedule around so i'm like i mean i'm watching the socks but i'm not watching them at the capacity that i was before which actually pisses me off but it is what it is. Um, the real world sucks, Jonda. Yeah, right. I do get Saturdays off still, so I have seen a frequent amount of weekend games, um, which is a lot of the weekday games that I'm missing out on. So it sucks, but Sean, you already know college football is right around the corner, so we'll be all right. Um, and then hopefully I have my whole schedule not like this when the Sox are actually good. Um, yeah. As far as the dinner tonight, Goes. I went to a California Pizza Kitchen tone. It's actually really good. I don't know if you've ever been there. You should Never. definitely check it out. I have uh, been. You have been. Okay, so I have. Was, yeah. I went to. It's in like the one I went to was in St. Charles, but well, so like it's kind of like halfway to like the Johnny. Maybe not halfway, but close to halfway to Johnny. But um, so that's technically like halfway a fourth to you. Yeah, yeah, we're. <laughs> uh, we haven't even talked about watch party at Jonda's on here as like a group. No, no, we have we have seen you within. Well, it was a little over a month ago. Yeah, oh, it's forever ago. Right after the All Star. But yeah, it was really good. The main reason I'm bringing this up is they have this like deal where if you buy a like a food item, you get a whole fucking pizza to take home for five dollars. It's like like it's called take and bake. Oh my god, greatest deal ever! So that's gonna be my dinner the next couple nights. So got that basis covered. 
That's nice. I like that, John. I, when I went there, I don't think they had that deal. I mean, it was a while ago. But, uh, Sean, uh, my my take on this. Shy Sox John is tired, but it is good to have him back. Can Let's we say he's – is he is he tie-tie? Yeah, he's tie-tie. He's tie-tie. Shy Sox John is a little tie-tie. All right, where is John Jay asks, if the small intestine is on average 20 feet long in adult humans, at what foot mark is Rakan's head currently located? Oh. Tony? <laughs> That's good. Um, Steve's doing math in his head. You know, I don't even know how to answer this fucking question because, you know, Steve brought up a great point about Rick Hahn being completely castrated. So I think he's more worried about that than shoving his head up his ass at this point in time. Um, you know, Rick Hahn, I think, is in just such a bad position because – you know, he has to answer to the media. He's got Kenny Williams driving around a golf cart all the time, you know, answering questions for him. And that's got to drive him completely up the wall. He's got Jerry Reinsdorf promising contracts to players who Rick Hahn may or may not want on this team on the go forward. Um, you know, I hate to be a Rick Hahn apologist on this one, but it's just rough. There's, there's problems with the front office from the top down. And so you can't really judge where Rickon is at. Yeah, I know Johnny's probably going to bring up some of the lawyer speak and some of the the you know the double entendres and all the the you know smoke and mirrors that we get out of any type of Rickon interview. But you know, at, at what point in time do you come back and kind of realize that yeah, Rickon probably wanted to be winning in 2019. And not 2021. You know, what directives came from above? So, I mean, there's there's a lot going on with this question. You know, I have... I, can we get a foot marker, Tony? Yeah, can we get a foot marker? Eh, five. Maybe five. I'll turn it over to Steve. Well, um, I think Rick Hahn just found one of his testicles. He's still looking for the other one. Um, man... Yeah, th- this is a very loaded question. I mean, you know, to, to Tony's point, I mean, there's so many things that have gone on here that are kind of outside of Han's control. I mean, because ultimately it, it, the fish stinks from the head with, you know, the old asshole in, in the owner's box. And but at the same time, this is the same guy that signed Kelvin Herrera. You're going to so, piss Johnny off. I'm sorry. I, I mean, wow. I mean, that's that's what we call. In the you're business. right. You're right. You're right. That's some really bad paper right there, and and you still got another year of that. But is that the sock sucks tax? I don't know. I don't know if Herrera qualifies for the sock suck tax. To tell you the truth, why um, why doesn't he? I, I'm I'm curious as to your reasoning why. Because if you go and you look at the the pitchers who were signed this off season, we paid them a little bit more. We got him for two years, and up until the tr- like the track record outside of the injury was pretty good. Um, I guess I'm just thinking just from the standpoint of he was not very good last year, so I feel like in some ways I feel like Hunt just kind of negotiated against himself on that and paid market rate for a guy that was coming off a bad year. Um, he paid you, a he paid a little above market rate. Yeah, and you yeah. you bring up a good point. Negotiating against himself, 
that doesn't bode well again for going into this next offseason either. Yeah, that's that's a little discouraging to tell you the truth. <laughs> so for for a guy that, you know, um, you know, went to Michigan, which, you know, I'm told is, you know, like the Harvard of the Midwest, you know, um, boy, that's, that's a real problem there as far as I'm concerned. You're in good company. <laughs> we need a, we need a, we need we still need a foot marker. Um, what you, you said you said five. Yeah, I'll say two point seven. Jonda, I'm not even gonna give like logical explanation about this. <laughs> I'm just gonna say to the shoulders. So about his whole head has submerged and in, into his butt. How how large is Rick Hunt's head? It's he's 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 a tiny head guy. I don't know if you notice that or not. He doesn't seem like he has the biggest cranium. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a big better guy. He's a tiny head guy. So I mean, everybody's everybody's got their niche. So uh, I'm the question guy. I don't have a whole lot of time to explain my answer. Uh, I think there's a lot of it uh, red tape kind of stuff that uh, Tony and both Steve uh, had hinted at there. So uh, I'll just give a. One and I would go probably about, I don't know, three. There we go. Well, there's some in between there. All right. Uh, Steve-O asks, this is a good one. This is a really good question. I like this one a lot. He says, which current White Sox player is the last man standing in a bar fight? I'm so happy I went first on this one, and it's definitely Yohan Moncada, in my opinion. There's just some there's some pure strength here. We saw him knock that guy over coming into third base earlier. Johnny, you compared him to, you know, uh, an NHL defenseman. He looks like a, a middle linebacker oh, the, in the NFL. The, the, before the Hawks got Kelvin DeHaan, I was assured that the White Sox were going to sign uh, Yohan Moncada play on the blue line this off, upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Moncada. And one of the reasons, I think, is just because it's not even the pure strength. Moncada seems like the kind of guy that would stay out of the fight until the very end. Um, he just seems like he's kind of a more chill dude. So he's going to sit back and watch everything go down. Is that what you do, Tony? Oh, definitely. It's definitely my strategy here. I've um, never heard that before. So you sound like you're, you're talking through experience. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a good survival tactic. You wait until all these other guys kill each other and then you jump in. And that seems like a Moncada thing to do. You know, just kind of sit back, sip on your drink, watch this whole thing go down and then throw the one haymaker, and you're you're done. So I'm going Yohan Moncada, and he's strong enough to to withstand what's going on. Now there are some questions about you know his his you know his toughness. I think this would be the perfect opportunity for Yohan Moncada to prove that he's no pussy. He's actually there, and you know this would just it's just the writing's on the wall. It's Yohan Moncada. I'll turn it over to Steve. Okay, so Tony. I'm going to have to call you out a little bit on your Mancana pick. So after meeting him in Arizona last year at a bar when he was trying to drill a local bartender, he was far more focused on how perfect his hair was and how perfect his wardrobe was. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see him getting in the dog pile well, there. This is, yeah, this is exactly my point, though. He's more worried about all the other stuff going on that he's not even going to be involved in the fight. That's soft as hell. We can we get the NWI Steve oh, insider oh, oh. scoop if he left with the bartender or not? So she told me that he followed her on Instagram and, D- and slid into her DMs. He's notorious for that. 
So oh, Jesus I don't know. I don't know what happened from there. But um, you know, he was uh, he was trying to lay some wood. That's that's all I know. But there uh, you go. So who, that, who's that, your guy though? That bad drop is my, my guy. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off the board here. I'm gonna go Matt Skull. Um, Fuck! You took my. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go. I mean, Georgia country strong man, just a fucking hillbilly. Exact... Steve, <laughs> I literally have notes, and that's what I have in there. Well, shit. <laughs> I love it though. I'll give you some specs. Uh, some, I'll give you some specs when I come back around on it. But yeah, I like that a lot. Organizationally, if you're not saying your men Mercedes, well, no, we're talking current twenty five man roster. No, no, well, I'm the twenty five man. Yeah. Give me, dude. Calvin Herrera looks like he doesn't put up with shit. You know what? I, I might, I might change mine to Nova. Yeah, he's a little guy, but he looks like he just. He's got that like Melky Cabrera look, like Melky Cabrera, like when he was smiling, like he looked like he was smiling, like he looked like a nice guy. But if you caught Melky Cabrera just like blank stare, he literally looked like he wanted to murder you. Can we all agree that John Jay would be the first one down? Yomer would try and like tackle someone. I don't know. We can agree to disagree right there. Yeah, John Jay might be. Maybe. Yeah. I would probably actually agree with that, Tony. Now, just thinking up and down the roster. And now, here's uh, the other question: Would anybody ever be able to catch Adam Engel? No, would James oh, McCann even throw a punch. No, like, James ever. McCann would recite a Bible verse and be yeah, the hell he, out of there. He'd be the uh, the mediator, the uh, come to God moment. Um, all right. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, NWI Steve had pointed this out. I got specs on this because when I saw this question come through, I was like, let's go. I don't know if anyone's going to pick Matt Skull. I'm glad you did, Steve. Thank you. I'm sorry I interrupted you in your thing there. But I can provide some more background on this. Matt Skull, good old country boy from Georgia, like you had mentioned. 6'4", 220 pounds. Um, only a couple guys on the team outweigh maybe 3'4". Um, I think you could put Josh Osich up there. A uh, case for him. He is 6'3", 232. But Matt Skull, dude, the the he, he went to Georgia Tech, uh, obviously was from there, stayed around there. Um, he's going to have the extra power of nicotine in him. You know that. Um, he loves his chaw. Um, one other guy that I would throw out as a wild card. I would go with Matt Skull, too, NWI Steve. But one of the wild cards would be Jimmy Cordero. You saw him rolling his sleeves up Ooh. these past few times. Oh, yeah. you know, he's, got, he's got that. He's 6'4", 222, so he does outweigh Matt Skull by two pounds. Um, he's caught straight flexing. Straight flexing. Uh, th- that, is, uh, th- that would be my analysis on it. But uh, Matt Skull, I'm going to go with the uh, been in that situation before type of thing uh, in NWI Steve's um, agreeing with me, nodding here. So um, let's move on to the next one. That's, that's a fun one. Thank you, Steve-O, for that. Um, RC. Uh, Rick uh, Carsley, 26, he asks, is Bay Arthur from Golden Girls, Chuck Garfine's mother, and potentially father? And he puts a side-by-side picture on it. Steve, you can't see it. Um, Jonda and Tony, you guys can in the document that we have here. I mean, it's it, it's a dead ringer. Um, oh, yeah, shit. Sure. I, I'll just give my answer before I even turn it over. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can definitely see a resemblance. Um the hairline might be in question here, um, but yeah, I mean it's very striking. So um, 
hopefully Steve has an answer to this that's a little bit more elaborate, but Look, I don't I don't know how much more I can really add to that. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna side um, I'm I'm gonna take the side of the group here, and um, I'm gonna say yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I got the Bay Arthur haircut going right now. Is what it looks like. <laughs> um, it is pretty striking. Chuck, yeah, I mean, shit. Huh. Chuck what? Garfine is not easy on the eyes. So, so you know how they do that? That what did Chuck find? On the broadcast, Chuck found his mom. Yes. <laughs> Wait, he said mother and potentially father. I missed that. Part. I, I read that. Yeah, I read that. I, read I, that. I, 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 oh my god, that's great. <laughs> okay, Chuck found his parent. Um, okay, so moving on. Uh, before we get into eye on the opponent, uh, we'll open it up to you, Steve. Do you have any questions for us before we get into that? Anything, anything's on the table. Go, go right ahead. If you, if you don't have anything, we'll go right to I am the opponent. Give me the craziest tailgating story from the three of you. Ooh, I would probably have to go last. I got a few. <sighs> All right. So, um, there was, it, this one was just me and Tony. Um, but we, <laughs> This you is can just tell it like for both of, of us. Most, Go ahead. It was one of the most ridiculous ones that I could think of. Um, it was Sox Cubs Friday game last season, 2018, and I. This was the first time I was meeting Tony in person. Uh, we we had talked uh, over you know DMs and stuff, and we were setting up our Hawks podcast, all that kind of good stuff. Whatever. This is the first time that we actually met in person, and I come up and he is tailgating with his buddy Jake, uh, Jake Trojan, now a good friend of mine as well. And I go up there, meet him in lot C. We're tailgating, throwing some bags, uh, throwing back a few beers, whatever. Um, I wasn't even supposed to go to this game. I didn't have a ticket because I have a 40-game plan. Uh, my ticket was for Saturday. They only give you, you know, uh, Friday and Sunday or just Saturday and just alternates every weekend. And mine fell on the one where I landed Saturday. But I came up, tailgated. Um, I might have gone to a bar around there, just watched it, whatever, if I couldn't get a ticket or something. So... Uh, his buddy Jake ends up buying me a ticket. We go into the game, 108, just, you know, all, all game boozing straight through. Uh, we come back out after the game. White Sox win. Great win, by the way. Uh, home runs from Davidson, Smith, just, you know, Palka. whatever. Guys that aren't even here didn't, anymore, but, yeah, Palka, Palka hit yeah. one. Yeah, so uh, that was the one game that they won in that series. And uh, we come back out. We're back in Lot C. Beef Loaf with us. Uh, it's me, Tony, it Jake. Beef Loaf's uh, anniversary. Yeah, Beefalo's anniversary on a Friday night um, after this. It was like, whatever, 3-10 game, I believe, as it started. And we come back out, and we are boozing in Lot C for literally an hour and a half afterward until they finally come up and tell us to get the hell out. That wasn't enough for us. We, we were just sitting there shooting the shit. It was me, you know, all, all that crew that I just mentioned in Beefalo. What time did we start? Like 1130? It might have been a game. Long- that it, it was it was like around i think it was a little afternoon tony okay it, because it was, a, it was like a three days a little game. hazy yeah, yeah. It, it was like, it, or a three ten game excuse me but we come back out and like i said we were boozing there they finally kick us out we we're the literally the last ones to leave lot c besides that you know, weird couple there was a weird couple that like one yeah. one of them was a Sox fan the other was a cubs fan they like wound up in the back of my car like sitting in the back of the van like Okay. It was, su- it was super weird. We, we tried very hard to get rid of them. We couldn't. A lot of different elements going on. But anyway, <laughs> a- after after the tailgate clears out in Lot C, 
we decide we haven't had enough. Austin, to, Austin Dizik was with us as well. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Austin was with us as well. We head over to Shinix where we just continue the party and just so keep pounding beers. Y- you forget a, a, the, the main point, which I'm bringing up, Austin, is because we got into the car and Austin, like, sat on my lap. Was that this game or was that was that this year? I can't remember, but Austin was like... Record scratch. Wait. wait. Yes, I I believe you were in the you were in the front seat though. Oh, okay. so I don't so know this how was, you. No, would've... this was in your car on opening day. Yeah, that was yes, opening okay. day. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So after this, we go over to Shinex and we just keep drinking. We just keep pounding them. Whatever the crew kind of dies out. The people that are still up in the city, they end up taking their Ubers or red lines back. We decided we still haven't had enough after that. We oh, go Jesus. out to that bar that we had mentioned earlier while I think we were off the air, Rocco's in Lockport. And we go there and, and continue, just continue the party and straight dead eyes uh, the whole time that we were there. And um, I mean, it, it was just insanity from the first time that we met, but from all that um, discussion at Shinix came the idea for on tap sports net. So it is kind of a story that kind of rings a little bit deeper here. Um, and we decided that we want to do something more than just a, you know, a couple of podcasts and turn it into a whole Chicago sports coverage network. And uh, we, we just kind of birthed the idea from there and started recruiting guys after that going forward. So, um, yeah, the unbelievable story. Uh, that was, you know, not, I guess, not drunkest, sloppiest that you could say, but uh, definitely memorable. Yeah, I mean, Johnny, you stole my my story here, but the, the only other thing, that I mentioned the, the Austin story. Um, it had to have been, if it wasn't that day, uh, it, it, it was opening day or the Saturday. I forget which one. John, you were at one of these. Um, so it had to be either the that Saturday. Day. It was the Saturday. Okay. Cause the, the, the first opening day was also a mess. The jello shots were involved. My wife makes jello shots and, uh, she made like this whole freaking like 300 jello shots for like the first series this week. Uh, of the season and uh you know we do the jello shots in the beginning of, of the game during the tailgate um you know you're drinking out there going to the game continue your drinking and then i remember closing the parking lot down with i think dj was there sam austin there was a bunch of dudes out there and we we almost followed the exact same path that we did that night but i remember getting into johnny's car to get to Shanix and we had tons of shit just piled into the car and of course jen i was like all right jen you can go sit up with johnny up in the front i'll sit in the back and austin like hops in i don't even remember if you hopped in through a window but all of a sudden we're driving to shanix out of the out of the parking lot out of lot b and austin's like laying on top of me and it was the <laughs> weirdest experience because a i've only seen austin like twice and he was definitely in my personal space so it was it was really weird. I think Johnny took a, a, a wrong way down down one of the streets. Um, Made the ride even longer. Yeah, it was it was just <laughs> it was an experience getting to Shanix, and Shanix was absolutely packed. Um, just a great day overall. Um, yeah, I mean it, these tailgates are are something else because they set you up for a whole day of debauchery. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jonda. I oh god. I've been sitting here for the last like five minutes trying to like narrow it down. 
I honestly feel like I've had my weirder tailgate moments when I go to Northwestern games. Like, I mean, we've had, like, yeah, we get fucked at our tailgates, and we have a ton of fun, but, like, the weird shit and, like, the craziest shit has, like, happened to me at, okay, so, I'll, like, tie two in together, but a couple years ago, it was Northwestern's homecoming, they were playing Penn State, Saquon Barkley was on Penn State, I don't know if you're a football guy at all. I'm 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 not, but I know that hating Penn State is something that you should do. Okay, yeah. So Saquon Barkley, I don't know if he won the Heisman this year or, but he, dude was insane. He was an animal. So I really wanted to go um, to this north to Northwestern's homecoming, and my buddy really wanted to go see Saquon Barkley. So th- here's this guy that, like, I mean, we're buddies, but we're not like the best of fucking friends. He just we just kind of had like a common interest and in wanted to go to his game, so we just like were like fuck it, bought tickets. Northwestern was doing construction on their campus. This was like two three years ago, and the parking lot or like where it's not a parking lot, well it's like a school where I normally park and tailgate was closed. So we went out there early. Like I basically like promised this dude because he drove, and I was like, yeah, like we're gonna tailgate. Like it's gonna be a ton of fun. Like I can find us somewhere to park like for free all this shit and then we get down there and there's all this construction so there's nowhere to park so i'm like fuck dude so we literally go and park like where the um the construction people park because he works in the union so he has like a bunch of city parking passes and shit he's like i'll just throw one of these up in the dash like they look close enough no one's gonna sit here and like he's like we'll be fine so which long story short we were fine um but these guys okay so we get out the car and he wanted a tailgate and i have this cooler like i have a cooler full of beer i got like a fucking uh flask of fireball that we were supposed to split like a bunch of liquor and we wasted like the better part of an hour looking for somewhere to park so we got all this liquor to kill and like 30 minutes to do it because <laughs> we're so far now we have to take a shuttle so we're just chilling there fucking drinking pounding beer shotgun and beers whatnot i probably had like seven beers and like half of a flask of fireball in the span of like 15 minutes like i'm not even kidding you i pounded fucking beers my stomach was destroyed so we're leaving and i really really like i'm known for having a really bad bladder but your boy has awful intestines as well so we're leaving, and I start getting this, like, oh, no. bubbly feeling, and I'm like, fuck, dude, I really, really have to go to the bathroom. So I pull up to this porta potty that's, like, it It didn't look like the most inviting porta potty I'm not going to lie. And I was just like, all right, fuck it. Like, I'm not a, the biggest germaphobe, but I wouldn't recommend going number two in this porta potty so I sat there and I like was doing the whole like toilet paper over the seat thing and all this bullshit. And I just hear like this dude start like yelling right behind me. And I'm like, fuck, what the fuck's going on? These like two construction workers just get in this full on fucking brawl, like right in front of me. And they're like bouncing into the porta potty and shit while I'm sitting here, like trying to take this shit. <laughs> so that was a good time. But long story short, that's not even the best part. Them like hitting the porta potty and like shaking it so much literally got me like it like gave me the spins because I just drank so much 
So I literally walk out of this porta potty and just like honestly, if you're like a bystander just watching all this go down, you're just like watching these like dudes just beat the fuck out of each other. And then, like, finally some dude separates him. And then, like, right when it's finally all said and done, you just see this one dude just fly out the porta potty and just puke fucking everywhere. So, yeah, that was me. That's probably my, like, weirdest tailgating story. But another one was I was at, and it's always involving a porta potty, I feel like. But another one was I was at a uh, Notre Dame Northwestern game. You last just can't year stay away from the bathroom, can you? I swear to God, dude. Oh, my God, it's brutal. But, um,. This is where I actually met um, Sean Roberts, the guy who had asked the question earlier. So I was at this tailgate. The porta potties were lined up like maybe 20 yards from like where um, it was like Dave was tailgating with a uh, barstool chief. And they like hosted this like major, like this huge tailgate. And um, I had to really go to the bathroom like an hour into us being there. We were there for like two and a half hours. We were there forever. Did Chef um, talk to anybody that day? No, I don't think so. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> so, you know, we, um, yeah, so I'm, I don't know. So I go in to get into this porta potty line and I spot this dude wearing like a 1960s, like throwback, dope ass, like White Sox letterman. So I started talking to this guy about the White Sox. You know, I'm like telling him about Shy Sox Weekly, all this shit. I literally chatted this dude up for the better part of a half hour. So maybe like 20 minutes or so just talking with this guy i get to the front of the line and this lady's like hey you gotta get in line get to the back of the line just starts like freaking out on me for like not being in line i was literally standing next to this guy the whole time like i got in line behind this guy was talking to this guy gets to the front all notre dame fans just like at fucking northwestern stadium i think i already told the story on shy sacks weekly one time so i'll keep it short and sweet but basically like i fucking told all these people off i was like fuck you like i'm going to pee and this, like, one guy comes up to me, basically, like, he's about to fight me if I, like, go into the porta potty. I'm like, this isn't that serious. I was like, I'll fucking hold it, whatever. And, yeah, it wasn't that interesting, but it was just fucking ridiculous that I got, I was, I was hammered. So <laughs> I, I like to talk when I'm drunk. I'm, I'm definitely one of those guys. You could ask the 108. I'm definitely, like, I, you I also get like flying flags. And, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, I was. I had some choice words for the group. We'll yeah. just keep it at that. John, I think that was where the Sean Roberts and you sort of stick. Uh, if you ever seen our Twitter Twitter interactions with him and whatever, um, is is Chai Sox John going to get punched in the face? Uh, that, that is where that you know base from John is loud mouth um, being surrounded by opposing fans in his home turf um, obviously does not take well to that so um, yeah definitely some crazy tailgate score story Steve Steve fuck um, you, you gotta come out man uh, you gotta come out we'll let you know when we have one we were hoping to get one or two more planned before the end of the year um, we'd love to have you out there um, we had one back in May can't say it was as crazy as that um it was a little more i guess under the radar as opposed to crazy stories go but uh still a good time nonetheless had a bunch of the on tap sports net guys out 108 came by um a lot, a lot of people from Sox twitter so um definitely want to see you out there um guys uh steve I, I, and if you does he any, have any more yeah, yeah that's yeah, the next more. that's the next oh, thing that that was that was my one that uh my one question that, I had. that was his burning question yeah um, let's get towards wrapping this up. Eye on the opponents. Um, White Sox obviously took game one against Texas tonight. That's great. They got three more uh, Friday through Sunday, rolling through this weekend, and then uh, day off on Monday, 
Minnesota for three back home. Minnesota again. Uh, just played them last uh, during the middle of this past week. And uh, that will be Tuesday through Thursday, three game set, all at home. Um, what we, Steve, what we usually do, we'll go around in that same order that we did for questions. Give us a prediction record wise um, on this upcoming homestand, both of the remaining part of these series. So I guess only six games total since we already got one in the belt. Um, and then give us any analysis, any thoughts that you have on any of these teams coming in. Uh, White Sox related uh obviously Eloy being scratched tonight if you have any thoughts on that um but we'll turn it over tony go ahead first uh i think the Sox go three and three through the rest of it um i'm going to keep mine short and simple um the Sox have actually done quite well lately uh johnny we talked a little bit on socks on tap uh, about uh, how tonight could have been a trap game obviously the Sox came out to play um you're gonna see the better pitchers in the rotation coming up here um, again, so I, I feel like going three and three, um, through the, the, the next six is certainly plausible. Um, I won't say where those wins are going to come, but, uh, I would, I would be kind of happy with that. Um, hopefully I'm at the winners and not the losers. That's all I got to say. Steve, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I'll say three and three as well. Um, I think that particularly next week that series against Minnesota with, you know, having Detweiler and Cease going up against a team that likes to hit the long ball, that's a little problematic for me. And this Texas team just looks like they are going through the motions right now. Um, I would love for it to be 5-2 and because I would love for them to find a way to win the series against the Twins because fuck Minnesota forever. Yep. Uh, Joe Maurer sucks. Yes, yes, suck at Maurer. So does Torrey Hunter. Yeah. Oh, fuck that motherfucker. God damn it. And you you know what? While we're on the subject of Minnesota Twins, okay, you know what? I'm going to go on a rant here for a little bit. Yes, please do. Fuck you, Justin Morneau. You motherfucker. I remember when that asshole signed with the Sox, I was in Washington, D.C. I was with my dad and my my nephew, who at the time was eight years old. We were going to see the Sox. We were going to see the Nationals. Bathroom break alert. Because, oh, you cutting this thing? No, no, keep going. Oh yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. So, so we're we're going there to, to see Nationals Park, and Morneau goes makes his Sox debut and everything. I was so fucking pissed off because I remember in 2006 when that motherfucker said, you know, he was asked by the question, he's like, oh, you know, you got you the Sox and the Tigers, you know, you guys are all battling for the division title, you know, how do you think this is gonna play out? And that motherfucker said, I don't care who wins the division, just as long as it's not Chicago. So forever. Fuck Justin Morneau and the fact that that asshole put on a Sox uniform still fucking chaps my ass to this day. So you know what? Fuck him. Fuck Joe Maurer. Fuck Michael Kadire. Fuck Tory Hunter. Fuck Jason Kubel. Fuck the rest of the Piranhas. Fuck Johan Santana. Fuck Minnesota forever. Fuck. <laughs> yes. 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 NWI Steve, that is exactly what I was looking for from you. There was a uh, Reddit post that that was brought up a while ago. Um, it, this is a long time ago, and I don't know if I ever shared it publicly, like on Twitter or whatever, where we could all comment on it. But there was one last year about the least meaningful games in the 2018 season. And the White Sox were a part of oh, God knows how many of them because we were just so bad last year. And, you know, a couple of them were against the Orioles because the Orioles were bad as well. But that last series against the Twins, because the Twins were completely out of it too last year, you know, complete different story from their 2017. 
but obviously that was Joe Maurer's last run, and they were doing the whole honorary whatever. And I, <laughs> I was actually surprised that I got upvoted on this, but I had commented and I had said those last three games that the Sox and Twins played. I said, uh, no, I said, I said the this post was as meaningless, or no, this post was more meaningless than Joe Maurer's last three games as a twin, and I actually got uploaded on it. But I think you'd be proud of me for that. Just pointing I, that out because I'm with you, and I'm about the anti-Joe Maurer train. Just <laughs> get out of my face. Listen, from from my perspective, this season will be successful if somehow the Sox end up fucking costing the Twins a fucking playoff spot. Because if you look at it right now, the A's beat the fucking Yankees again tonight. So the A's and and the fucking Rays are right there in that wild card mix. I want nothing more to happen than the fucking Indians to catch the fucking Twins, win the division title after the Twins had an 11 game 11 and a half game lead and the Twins missed the playoffs because fuck Joe Maurer and fuck the Minnesota Twins forever. So I would love it for those cocksuckers to miss the fucking playoffs and then for the Indians to go into the first round and get their fucking dicks handed to them again so that they have a 71-year playoff or a 71-year playoff or championship drought here because fuck the Indians too. Fuck Jim Tomey, that fucking traitor. But most importantly, as always, forever, fuck the Minnesota Twins. Love it. You guys had three and three. John, we were going through series predictions. Eye on the opponents. Uh, what do you think will happen? Obviously, we already have one under our belt. Uh, win tonight against Texas, but uh, predict the rest of these. We got three more against the Rangers, three against the Twins coming up. Yeah, so I'll probably go two and four because they already won one. So me saying three and three would make them four and three in a seven-game stretch against the Rangers and the Twins. Do I see that happening? I mean, the Sox have been playing well this week, so potentially, but realistically, probably not. Three and four over that stretch seems a little more feasible to me, so that's my background on that. Um, Like he had said, you know, you're going to have your pitchers that are prone to giving up the long ball playing teams that love the long ball, so I feel you. I would say probably two and four and then finish the, um, that would put them at three and four for the two series over the next week. Yeah, John, I am kind of drawn to doing that. Um, unfortunately, it sucks that I'm saying this right now at this point. But just Are you going negative, record, Nani? A little bit. I, I was going to have to kind of agree with them on two and four because I, unfortunately, and this sucks because I don't want to do this, but I do kind of already chalk up tomorrow night, uh, Friday night, Dylan sees as a loss. Um, it, it sucks to say that, but he has just shown – that he will get touched up, whether it's he's jittery, um, he just is not settled in yet. In those first two innings, damage always comes early. So I think the only game that he didn't get touched up all that much was the game that we were at, Tony. Uh, he only gave up a solo home run within the first two uh, to Robinson Cano, and then um, the rest of uh, you know the, the White Sox couldn't support him in that Mets game that we were at that Dylan C start, but. Um, no, you know what? Actually, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna level it three and three. Let's go with the okay. winning home stand here. Um, you know, I uh, I do like the uh, matchups that we are going to have coming up, and I think Steve made a great point that does feel like the Texas Rangers are just kind of waltzing through 
what the stretch is right now. Um, they really don't seem to have that same urgency that they did earlier in the year. Joey Gallo is out. Um, I mean, th- this is a very, honestly, I do think the White Sox could legitimately sweep this series, but I do also have my reservations about Cease there. Um, and then in that twin series, yeah, uh, there's definitely cause for concern with just how good that lineup is. And obviously we've seen what they've done to us uh, on our home turf before, uh, I believe, end of July. That, that was not kind to us um but let's flip this script and you know we had a little bad karma i know we still won the series but we had a little bad karma in that uh game two with the uh uh rally squirrel bullshit tony that you and i ranted about so much on socks on tap let's see a little bit of reverse one i'm I'm about the juju i'm gonna pull a buzz buzzism in here Uh, a little bit about the juju so uh, let's see that bounce back in our favor here and then take two or three from the twins i i would love to see that Absolutely. Um, anything else before we close this one out, guys? Steve, uh, only, any final words? Yeah, the only thing, like I said, I would just love for nothing more than the Sox to be the reason why the Twins miss the fucking playoffs because fuck the Twins forever. Jonda? He's on mute and he's talking, but we're not hearing yeah, him. Yeah, no, I'm is. definitely with Steve. Um, yeah, it was a rookie mistake right there. I'm definitely with Steve. You know, we're at that part of the year where we're going to play spoiler, um, and the Twins really looking at the schedule are pretty much the only team that we can do that with. So, yeah, fuck the Twins. That would be nice to take their playoff spot away. Johnny, anything? White Sox forever. <laughs> of course. There it is. Steve... Thanks for coming on. We absolutely enjoyed this. I think all of us did um, for many different reasons, but uh, glad to have you on. Um, hope to have you on again. Um, this was this was a good show. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't really have anything else. Guys, like Johnny just said, White Sox forever. Yes. White Sox forever. White, White Sox forever. For life. For life. <laughs>